This podcast is made possible by our patrons at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Um, as this new season, exciting new season of Bonfireside Chat starts, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who uh, who's decided to support us. It's a huge deal. Um, it's the reason why the show's uh, can sound as good as they do. It's the reason why we have PS4s um, in order to play Bloodborne and bring this to you. Really appreciate it. So thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. dream to look after you. Honorable hunter, pursue the echoes of blood, and I will channel them into your strength. You will hunt beasts, and I will be here for you to embolden your sickly spirit. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to a very special episode of Bonfireside Chat. It is a bestial favorite. Yes, it is very special because we are beginning our our Bloodborne coverage in earnest, right? That's where yes. we're talking about. Uh, um, know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Yeah, in, we're, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're completing it in earnest accents. <laughs> so that's the thing. You guys wanted us to do this. Well, fuck you. We're doing the whole thing as Jim Varney. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to be Jim Varney from Toy Story, a little bit yeah, gravelly. Yeah. yeah, you know, 20, 20 more years of smoking on top of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like like evil Ernest from uh, Ernest Goes to Prison. Mm, yeah, Ernest mm-hmm. Scared Stupid had a uh, uh, had Eartha Kit in it. Ooh la la, daddy, know, right? Did like, mm. um, <laughs> 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 anywho, yeah, Bloodborne, Bloodborne, <laughs> Bloodborne. Yeah, super exciting. Like we're excited, and thank you guys for your patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I take it back. Where earlier when I said "fuck you," um, I didn't mean it. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> come back, baby. I didn't mean yeah, it. Yeah, come, come back, baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so like every uh, first episode we do when we cover a new Souls game, um, we're gonna go over some basics and what things are different. Um, thank you for allowing us that week to really suss these out, and we did need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, next week we start with guests and everything. But right now it's solo bolo tutorial area and the kind of differences, key points, Bloodborne one hundred and one. Correct. And uh, yeah, cool. Uh, get us started. Yeah. So I want to get the first one out of the way. Even though Dark Souls and Demon Souls were Dungeons and Dragons esque uh, medieval fantasy stories, even though they were dark fantasy and grim as hell, uh, this one is a straight up horror story, right? Uh, and in fact, it's a tour of a bunch of different horror genres. It is. It is specifically uh, like gothic horror, making way into Lovecraftian horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can say that, you know, I've been thinking about it and I've seen this sentiment around a couple times, but at first when I saw it, I was like, Bleh. um, but I've been thinking about it and this is secretly like from software, my favorite video game company <laughs> went and made the best Lovecraft game. Oh yeah. And, and to, to let you guys know and remind you, um, we live in a world with like eternal darkness and amnesia. <laughs> Those both exist still. Yeah. And, and I, and I love dark corners of the earth this is the best lovecraft game like this is the best expression of that that kind of horror mm-hmm. one of the only expressions of like that gothic victorian horror you know that i can kind of see yeah. in games other than say like nightmare creatures but like the uh the absolute best 
of like a handful of games that have done Lovecraft really, really well. Right. And for any new listeners, uh, people who are just now finding the network uh, because of Bloodborne coverage, welcome. Thank you so much for checking us out. Yeah. Uh, we love us some Lovecraft. It is. It is. So I was so when I figured that out, because the, the, the kind of like there's hints at it forever. So it's, it's not really a spoiler. Um, and we'll talk about our, our spoiler policy when we get into the, the actual meat of the game. But like, it's not really a spoiler to say that happens. But keep in mind, and I was kind of like bragging is the wrong word because it didn't require anything on my part. But like I made a very concentrated effort not to know anything about this game mm-hmm. going into it. And then to have it be such a thing that is made for me <laughs> is was ridiculous. Yeah. Like that, that was like when when that stuff started happening, like I was just like, oh, shit. And then now that I've been like did my post game like you know, looking around the internet, reading item descriptions, matching things together, stuff like that. Like it is just, it is a real, oh shit mm-hmm. kind of thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that exposition is the same, but I also think as kind of a general, uh, thing is that like, um, the story I think is a little bit more straightforward than last game, the last few games. Yeah. Uh, on whole mm-hmm. there there are fewer apparent moving parts and there are like broader theories about kind of the cosmology of this um and it gets into some very you know surreal stuff it starts out you know we'll, we'll, we'll get to a description of that opening cutscene, but uh, everything is called into question the authenticity the you know what is what is awake and what is dreaming and, and, and all of that uh, and, but, yeah but but you know it's it's simple kind of to a fault because there's very little direct motivation that it's giving you other than a couple of specific verbs yeah, and that's that's kind of a, I mean, it does feel, and and we'll this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but part of it is like you know, Cole and I haven't actually just sat down and talked the shit about Bloodborne all that off all that much, um, but there is uh, part of me f- feels like that sense is so strong at the beginning mm-hmm. and fades as the game goes on mm-hmm. that I'm not convinced that we aren't dealing with a kind of like a, a bait and switch or an intentional like here's this you know bam you thought this but you're wrong. Here's the the real shit um, in, in talking about it without actually using any specifics, but we'll talk about it at length. And <laughs> yeah. it is I and it earns it like both things like it could either just be like a wishy washy, washy washy mm-hmm. and, and not be anything. Or it could be this kind of trick. And both cases, I feel like it's earned. Yeah, um, it does a really, really good job with that. Yeah. Um, further um layouts and lamps um so shortcuts are back um you know we had those a little bit in uh, dark souls 2 but they're really important here and uh the hub and spoke system is pretty much gone um this is a more concentrated area and the zone connections are very considered and concrete um you can also no longer warp between things so you have that you have your like home zone that you always constantly have to go to that acts as kind of a hub mm-hmm. but you can no longer work between bonfires or anything like that like yeah. it is just a world and you're in it and it's up to you to traverse from one end to the other more or less right so um for anybody who has played demon souls this acts you know this hub world acts very much like the nexus right? yeah except yep. you can go to uh there's a higher level of granularity to the places that you're going to be warping between Yep, and the and they're they're just more connected. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you know the the demon souls. If you could walk from Boletaria to to Stonefang, mm-hmm. and the um you know so and bonfires are the equivalent. Um, they're lamps now. We will end up calling them bonfires. <laughs> we'll also end up saying souls a lot, yep. um, even though they're blood echoes. Um, but uh, lamps are very much more few few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dark Souls two, you know, uh, sprinkled those throughout like very liberally, mm-hmm. um, in ways that work to its you know detriment for the most part, and then some areas to its benefit. I think, yeah. but you know, probably mostly not to its benefit. Um, here, that is that is not the case at all. Like they you 
you are have a palpable sense of relief when you find one because they're pretty hard to find. Right, and you're keeping your eye out. Uh, you, you have a, a, a huge sense of relief when you find those shortcuts as well yep. uh, because that is you know a big part of the way that this uh, handles checkpointing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so fewer safe zones, fewer uh, kind of like ripcords that you can pull and uh, definitely a longer trek in between safe places, which is a, a, a big problem if you're used to the pace of the previous games because the combat here is faster and more brutal. Um, you know, especially in the beginning, enemy placement and encounter design um, are such that you're going to be facing a, a, a lot of very aggressive enemies at the same time. And uh, you don't really have uh, as much of a defensive vocabulary insofar as you can't hide behind a shield in order to kind of soak some of the damage into your endurance. Instead, you are uh, focusing more on being able to dodge um, attacks as they come in or do things called visceral attacks. Um, and uh, everything just is much more quick uh, in the moment, but you're still kind of asked to uh, plan your uh, the way you approach different encounters uh, just as much as you did in Dark Souls 1 and 2. Yes, and this is I think this is the single biggest difference um, as far as mechanically mm-hmm. how this goes. This game feels worlds apart to me. Like, it is, it is clearly a Souls game. Like, you are still managing an endurance meter and attacking and everything, but... And you still have this dodge roll, um, but and it's actually like kind of a dodge sidestep now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't lose your your ability to attack quite as quick. But uh, this makes such a big difference, um, and everything from how enemies are designed. And again, like I think I think this mostly hits. I think almost all the enemies work with this. I think the points in which it doesn't, um, there's some kind of holdover enemies that feel like real stress points mm-hmm. um, to me. And we'll talk about those as they show up. But for the most part, it, it's really successful and ambitious to take this. You know, this game that like, yeah, like I, there are differences between Demon Souls, Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2, but they are so similar in comparison to this. And for them to just kind of totally, um, I'm taking a plane break here, um, the, uh, for them to just totally uh, uh, throw that out and create what feels like a real new combat system. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really, you know, really pretty impressive. One of, the, um, one of the bigger changes, and we're going to talk about the differences in available builds and things like that, even though this is a game that has guns, you know, like yeah. you're pretty much always going to be holding one unless there's a particular other uh, item that you're going to be using two-handed or holding a torch. Um, there's really no way to do ranged combat out the gate, uh, whereas new players could probably take solace in the royal or in the sorcerer, right? Uh, right. Using that as a way to like dodge, you know, a, a way to ease themselves in. Um, and, uh, as it stands, you're kind of always going to be up in the scrum. Right. All right. And this, uh, has a, a huge effect, um, you know, on the game as far as like, you have no choice, at least initially, but to get in there. Um, and that is, you know, those enemies where it don't work, where it doesn't, don't work, where it doesn't work as well, like come later. And you can tell that the very beginning of this game, the part we're going to talk about a little bit today, but mostly next episode, um, are made to teach you this. Mm-hmm. Like uh, shit got real. Um, the uh, uh, there's what, one weird thing is that there's not a diegetic explanation for a lack of shields or why guns don't do damage. <laughs> um, like I, there's a couple like notes about tradition um, on the gear things, but I kept expecting like there to be some reason why no one would pick up a piece of metal. Um, <laughs> but it's just you know just not the case. What's well, what's funny is that uh, your enemies do it, but their shields are far more effective than yours. 
Well, they, they, or they're just super shitty. Like you can get one shield in the game, but it's absolute garbage. That's there to make fun of you. Yeah. Um, and that's the shield your enemies have, and you can usually break through that with one uh, thing. But there, there's a kind of a host of like smaller changes here. Like enemies stagger really easily. Um, the uh, the regain system. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that elsewhere in the notes? Or yeah, yeah, that plays into the next point: the healing. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, it also it kind of transitions in the combat though, because the uh, it, it's going to affect how you how you attack and how you engage with enemies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's talk about healing. Yeah. So instead of having an Estus flask or uh, uh, items that you can uh, pick up, like the the healing spices, you have blood vials, right, that you are relying on. And uh, this is kind of a point of concern, I think, for both Gary and myself. Yes. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't dig this. Um, very much. It is like you have 20, you know, you start out with 20 and it's always refilled to 20, which is more than you ever have in any of the other games. Uh, it's refilled to 20 as long as you, as long as you have some in your, in your storage. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. how you start out with 20 is, is more, is what I actually think I meant to say. Um, but they are finite. So like you can potentially have to farm for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the logic behind this is probably to encourage you to use this regain system. Um, When you get hit, you have lost temporary health at first. And if you attack an enemy in between, you can fill that bar up or a certain section of your bar can be refilled. Um, At first, it was kind of, I don't know if you had this experience too, but I thought like, (laughs) oh, the person who hurt me, I have to hurt them. Me too. But it's really anybody. Yeah. Like just go, go attack anybody and you, it's just as good. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can, you can kind of heal yourself in the middle of combat, which, plays into this more aggressive style that they want, the shieldless yeah. style. Um, Soaking a single hit is not as momentous as it was in Dark Souls where the health was gone, right? Well, like, it, it is encouraging you to attack as much as possible in order to kind of, like, hold on by a thread. It's it's not momentous as long as you get that regain in. Right. Um, and there are enemies that where you can't do that later, which we'll talk about. Um, there are a lot of enemies that grab you in this game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a bummer because it, it undermines one of the, the most powerful systems. Um, in the game, but this, uh, this health thing, uh, I, I don't, I can't think of a good reason for it. Yeah. Why it doesn't just refill to 20. Yeah. Um, it, I, you know, it, the idea is like you, you pick up more, so you kind of replenish as you go, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it should, it should just read. Cause I mean, yeah. all it does is rob me of my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 the problem is that this punishes, uh, a series of bad runs in a way that the always refilling, um, Estus flask did not. You're, you're, you're always going to have a baseline number of heals that you could count on. You never get to the, my favorite point in a souls game, which is the nothing to lose point mm-hmm. where you can just keep trying wild shit, um, until something works, uh, and you can't do that because you're probably going to end up using blood vials to try that shit. And eventually you have to take a break from this area, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of is like one, just to encourage you to do regain, but two, to, you know, do something with pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of falls out the window with a technical thing. We're not going to talk about too much um, because everyone else is and because it'll be fixed. But the load times are really atrocious. Yeah. So like when asking me to head back to my hub world, go to an area to farm, make three or four farming runs, and then go back to the area I'm working on mm-hmm. um, involves like eight load screens, <laughs> eight or nine load screens, each of which is like 30 seconds long. Yeah. So it, it is asking a lot. Um, yeah. And I can't see the strength of this that mm-hmm. system. So this yeah. is one of like, this is a Bloodborne bummer. Yeah. Uh, amidst can... a lot of like, wonderful things and i can hear listeners saying well these guys are just babies who uh who didn't understand the system like like trust me we were factoring that in to this to to this reading i'm I'm not like i I understand the system great like i I was by by you know like 10 or 20 hours into the game like i felt like i was playing it the way it was meant to be played Mm -hmm. yeah there's just at that second half of the game they start 
ramping in those those enemies and mechanics that uh, undermine Mm-hmm. the the system they set up like the things that you can't do regain with like the mm-hmm. grab enemies or frenzy yeah um, which we'll talk about which there's no regaining to be done mm-hmm. um so i was doing regaining like crazy yeah uh, but which, it just it was didn't work which is what i mean when i say we're, we're factoring that in. i think the biggest problem is it feels disrespectful of our time in a way that doesn't buy anything useful with what it costs exactly yeah yeah and and again like it's don't yeah, this is one of very few bloodborne bummers mm-hmm. go back to me gushing about the tone <laughs> if this sounds too negative. Um, so uh, death and bloodstains work similarly. Um, when you die, you return to a, your lamp. Um, however, your blood uh, bloodstain can be picked up mm-hmm. by wandering enemies. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's just there waiting. It will always just be there waiting in a boss mm-hmm. arena. But otherwise, like a, a crow or a guy can just kind of <laughs> grab it and walk around. Yeah, and that's a big deal because uh, you have a lot more wandering enemies in this game. Um, yes. in certain areas than you would in other places. So, um, uh, you know, this is even more like playing horse with yourself uh, than mm-hmm. before, uh, specifically because if you died to an enemy, it's likely that they're going to pick that up and you have to now kill him to get it back as opposed to rushing up, grabbing it, and then fleeing in order to get, yeah. the, to get those back. Yeah, um, and this isn't, to me, this isn't a Bloodborne bummer. Nope. Like I kind of I kind of dug this and I like oh, yeah. it as a a, uh, a you know story thing or just like the idea that somebody picked up this like hey this is cool blood. <laughs> yeah like I like blood the, the moment um, the moment that I realized what what was happening um, it took me a couple of deaths in order to in order to figure it out you know mm-hmm. why these certain enemies had purple eyes um, and you know because some some enemies have multiple eyes it gets even freakier when they get them. Yeah, some um, some tigers have multiple eyes. Yes, and some tigers have blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, once you figure that out and realize what's happening, then it ceases to be a bummer, and it becomes a a, a real kind of like aha moment. Yeah, and kind of a cool hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so enemies, uh, mini bosses, bosses. Um, enemies will no longer despawn, um, like they do in Dark Souls Two. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also more mini bosses in this game, yeah. which uh, are kind of like hunters, and they're. They feel different than NPC invaders mm-hmm. um, uh, from from previous games because yeah. they're significantly tougher. Exactly, they they, they share similar move sets uh, to you. You know, they're using similar items. They'll they'll have guns and things like that. But because of uh, kind of how wildly different your your equipment, uh, how how much of an effect your equipment has on your playstyle, they all mm-hmm. feel like their own kind of like designed and considered encounters in a way that uh, even goes beyond the designed and considered encounters of the of the invaders. Yeah, and they're re- they're really fun mm-hmm. to uh, to fight. So they're very they're varied extremely, and bosses are really varied. Yes. Um, maybe not like the most varied in, in the whole series, mm-hmm. I think, um, but more varied than Dark Souls 2. Right. Um, so and, and in a way that I really like. too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, something that kind of plays into invasions, like we said, there is Insight. Right. And this yeah, is oh uh, this is one of my favorite uh, systems in the game, honestly. Um, yeah. It's a big mystery. I, you know, again, like Gary, I knew nothing about this uh, game really coming into it. So trying to figure out what this what this does um, and the effects that it, that it has on the game. Uh, there, there's a lot to this um, mm-hmm. in a basic way. It kind of replaces humanity. Uh, from Dark Souls. So this is kind of a consumable. Uh, you don't lose it upon death. You can kind of accumulate this and roll around with a uh, with, with a big store, which actually has an effect on the world, like world tendency from uh, from, from Demon Souls. Um, they're, they're, they're very subtle and uh, sometimes very obvious ways that this uh, can change things. Yeah, and for the most part, to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is like having a, a darker world tendency in Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, if you have played the Call of Cthulhu tabletop game, it's a Cthulhu myth, uh, mythos score. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a hard limit on your sanity. Um, the more of this you have, the more of the world you see. 
and uh, it says this in the item you know that you use to get it the the former humanity or uh you know the what mad, that madman's knowledge madman's knowledge um the or stone of ephemeral eyes or any any like i say stone of ephemeral eyes that's yeah, a, yeah. kind of sounds like a similar thing yeah, um i didn't put that together mm-hmm. the um so there's just a lot of things this does um you spend it to summon help mm-hmm. um you get it for succeeding and one of the neat things about it is you don't just get it for beating bosses or for using that consumable items it plays in that learning thing so you get it for uh seeing bosses for the first time mm-hmm. um you get it npcs if they talk about uh some of the more cosmic shit mm-hmm. um that will give you insight it's yeah. really cool um there's one we it's not really in the notes and it doesn't show up until a little bit later in the game the way this interacts with frenzy i hate Mm-hmm. Um, I hate Frenzy. I hate it more than I hate the Blood Vial system. Yeah. Um, I, I really think it's a bad mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way this interacts with it is a real missed opportunity, but we'll talk about that in like three months. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. But Insight is su- super, super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And you can also spend it as a currency. Yeah. Um, there's a merchant you run into that will just take your Insight from you. <laughs> in exchange for goods and services. Exactly. Um, insight yeah. can be exchanged. Yeah, you, uh, like that's a way that you can buy uh, kind of like special gear. Right, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, the, the armor sets of some of the people that you fight, uh, which plays into a, a pretty big change that I think is going to have impact on uh, kind of the meta of, of, mm-hmm. of Bloodborne versus the others. Um, gear and leveling, both of which are much, much more simple. Mm-hmm. Um, there are fewer stats, right? Uh, uh, only six ones that you can touch as opposed to, you know, double digits in Dark Souls 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has... Um, uh, an effect, you know, really just in determining a handful of weapons that you use and their scaling and stuff like that. But uh, the bigger impact is made by which trick weapon you uh, you decide to roll with. Yeah, like like every Dark Souls game, you are building towards a weapon mm. weapon type. Um, but in, like that's what we always used to say. But in previous Dark Souls games, we didn't really really realize you're also building to be able to use all of your gear. You're building to be able to wear the armor you want to wear. Um, you're building to want to be able to cast the spells that you want to you know cast. Um, with the right cast speed that you want. Um, a lot of those considerations have been erased um, in exchange for this really, really stripped down thing where, like, essentially, once you have the stuff to equip the weapon you want, mm-hmm. um, it's just endurance and health. And the the soft caps on those are much lower mm-hmm. than they were in previous games. Um, this reverberates throughout the entire way you play the game, though. So, like, uh, level ups cost a lot in, in this game, like, significantly more. Um, bosses seem to drop fewer souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, often in this game, I would struggle against the boss, finally beat them and have enough, you know, souls to level up once, Yeah, you know, or, or sometimes not even that, mm-hmm. um, a little bit later in the game and the, uh, getting rid of, uh, you know, the, those kind of gear types and they've more like they've totally eliminated miracles and pyromancies mm-hmm. and, uh, taken magic and introduces it halfway through the game and makes it very limited and situational. So there are so few builds in this game that I can think of and in looking online. Like, that was a big part of of old games. And it's also, like, if you go back to um, one of the Recycle Bin podcasts, like, we were did, like, a little segment on that where we talked about our favorite thing about Dark Souls in anticipation of Dark Souls 2. And, like, it's one of my favorite things about Dark Souls games is that they're, they're infinitely replayable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun in Dark Souls 1. Like, I'm only going to cast spells at things. Right. And it changed the way I play the game entirely. This game doesn't do that. It has a way that it wants you to play and makes it so you have to, it feels like, mm-hmm. um, by getting rid of those options. No range combat, no no spells, mm-hmm. um, no kind of heavy builds. Um, it's essentially like you are forced to either play like a naked guy with a club or a like thiefy dex guy. <laughs> And that's what those are the things you can do, yeah. you know, it, and it's it's kind of a bummer. Like I, I 
I I dislike this as a thing. Yeah, I think it's uh, it it definitely reduces the possible options and the complexity here. So sometimes for the better, right? Like you know, this gets rid of uh, equip burden, right? Mm-hmm. But that also trivializes armor, right? It's more for like fashion souls. Um, yeah, say. which is cool. Like I like fashion souls, but even initially, like the fact that you have fewer kind of equipment choices in general um, means that there are fewer fashion souls you know, options for clothing or for just weapons because weapons are part of faction souls. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, it also changes, uh, rewards based on like, if you're exploring. So like if you're exploring the game, when you find things in this game, they tend to be consumables. Um, but like going through and finding a hard to get place and finding a cool weapon felt a little bit better to me than finding like a single madman's knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, than it does in this game. Like you find consumables and hidden stuff because they're, you know, you go a really long time in the game without finding any equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first set of armor you can find is past the first boss. Yeah. The first weapon is a bit further than that. Yeah. Um, so that is a, it is a change that I'm not necessarily on board with. The actual play and the way that the weapons that they've introduced play mm-hmm. or, or the way they control um, are all very different and awesome. Yeah. So, so like I actually like the weapons themselves quite a bit. Definitely. And so you're, you're trading off this kind of like macro strategy of like, this is what my build is going to be about in favor of kind of more tactical versatility because these, you know, trick weapons articulate quite literally <laughs> most mm-hmm. times um, into kind of being these two different weapons, uh, uh, two different move sets that you can switch between, uh, at, you know, not at random, but very rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just depending on, depending on the situation at hand. And so picking which one of those you're going to go with is a, is, is a relatively big choice, you know, especially at the beginning when you know that it's going to be several hours before you get another one of these, that's going to be, uh, not just viable, but, um, markedly even different. available. Yeah. 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 And well, then that's the thing too, is you don't know that, or mm-hmm. I didn't know it going yeah. into the game, but you know, it now that you're listening to this, um, if you're listening to this before you play Bloodborne, um, which you shouldn't do, you should play along with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, you know, you're making that choice and you don't know how important it's going to be. Um, so even if you just pick a starter weapon that you end up not caring for, like that's kind of it for you mm-hmm. for, for quite a while. Um, the uh, It's interesting because the actual, so the, the, the differences between the weapons, it's a wider golf, which is, I think is a positive thing, mm-hmm. but it leaves behind some of the weird little intricacies mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Like um, there's less room for like weirdness. Like, this sword controls very similar to this sword, but has a slightly different R2. And when you backstab people, it heals you, you know, or like, mm-hmm. or there are no weapons that do like a special, or there are very few, there are a couple mm-hmm. that do like a special thing, like the way boss weapons uh, did kind of magic attacks and AOEs and things like that. Yeah. Buffs. There's not room for that stuff anymore, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. does make it feel a little bit less, which it should, it's more of a grounded game, but it makes it feel a little bit less, fantastical or like you found a cool thing at least to me yeah um, um kind of the, the 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 big side effect of the fact that you're not finding an awful lot of unique gear or uh drops um in the world is uh it's kind of harder to read the tea leaves and imply story from the environment in a way yeah. that we often like to do and haven't really been able to do that successfully for a, a, a little while um, so, you know, each of these items is going to have the same description. It's going to reveal less about the areas that you're in and the people that lived there or who might have fallen. Um, in this yeah, place. exactly. Yeah, there, were, there was a lot to just finding a weapon and learning about the person who used it mm-hmm. in uh, previous games. And that doesn't doesn't happen here. Or like if I just find like, oh, it's a it's a it's a sauce beer. Mm-hmm. Why is this here? 
I don't know, Hunter dropped it. <laughs> like there's no, you know, it's not like, oh, this is this person specific. Like this is uh, Tarkus's armor. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, like there's none of that. So it, it is does feel like a reduction while simultaneously being, um, you know, really awesome to play yeah. with and they all control really well. The biggest area that's going to have an impact, and I'm really curious to see how this goes, is in PvP. Yeah. Um, where, like, there are so few builds that I the PvP scene, I don't even know what it's going to look like here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pretend like that's my thing. Like, I, I don't know, and I also only care in a limited amount. Mm-hmm. But I can see it being a bummer for people. Yeah. Like, the fact that, like, oh, okay, there's only, you know, a couple of different builds and everyone has to use, you know, one of one of five builds and one of 15 weapons, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So this is probably going to be, you know, if, if, if my prediction is right, or I'll make it right now, primarily a PvE kind of experience, especially because invasion is uh, uh, kind of hidden so late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the actual invading mechanics aren't hidden that, but I've, I never mm-hmm. got invaded or I got invaded once. Yeah, and this game is very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something yeah, else that, that aff- server stuff. Yeah, something else that that affects. You can no longer imbue items with uh, with effects. You know, upgrading is a linear path. You are kind of taking solidified blood and taking it from plus one to plus ten. Um, you you can through runes, like oh. there are runes that add effects. Yes. So you can't do it through just like straight up upgrading, but there mm-hmm. is this rune thing that allows you to do. But yeah. then that gets weirdly straight up um, like World of Warcraft Diablo. Like, yep, it's perks. Yeah, it's like we're point point seven blunt damage, point <laughs> zero two slashing damage plus point one fire damage. Like mm-hmm. that gets really you know kind of boring in a way that like there's no reason not just to put on your best damage runes. Yeah, at least it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's not the case. Yeah. But it is it is way simpler though, and in a way again that's a plus because you know you don't run into like trying to find pure blade stones, mm-hmm. you know, which is a pain in the ass. And but uh, yeah. it is again it's just a, it is a, this weird reduction. It's yeah. like which sometimes can work, but sometimes you end up with like a machine for pigs. Yeah, where like let's just take everything <laughs> about the, the original and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and on the fly correction here, you're thinking of the gemstones actually that uh, that you socket in and imbue the items oh, right. with uh, with different effects. The runes are perks, like you find yeah. these. The, and the you... runes are rings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. There's, I meant uh, gemstones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is magic here, which I didn't realize until after I beat the game. So it is incredibly well hidden, especially because there's really no reason to upgrade your uh, your arcane stat aside from item discovery. Yeah. Or if you're building towards something because you know it's there, but you mm-hmm. don't know that you won't know that initially. Uh, which is kind of weird. Like, I think there is an arcade build in there. I think there's a blood tinge build mm-hmm. in there in this game, but they're just con- they're just hidden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, speaking of hidden, um, <laughs> NPCs and quest lines. Um, so these uh, feel more convoluted than previous games. And remember, uh, the previous games had Siegfried or whatever. Sigmire. Yeah, Sigmire. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, there are fewer of these. There are fewer NPCs. Um, and there are fewer of them that have developed quests, but a lot of the little one-off NPCs that just give you flavor text tie into the quests. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them do. Yeah. Um, where you literally just like uh, send people to safety. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are a couple of NPCs that actually have developed quest lines to them, but not very many. Right. And uh, that is something that I'm going to have to really take advantage of on these subsequent playthroughs because I, I didn't really see a lot of that in the first go through. Um, it took me a while to even realize that, uh, especially in the more populated areas, um, they're hiding behind doors. So they're not even like standing out in plain sight. They're often by these pink uh, lanterns uh, that are yeah. kind of like blend in. They blend they're into the scenery. Burners. What's that? Yeah, they're incense burners. Oh, yeah. 
the uh, the ones on the ground they keep beast away. The sensors, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a little bit, again, just in the, the less, is, less is more or less is less section mm-hmm. of this. There are fewer of these. The actual NPCs that are there, though, are more satisfying than, say, like Cloran, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Like the stories that I've found have been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not very many mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And the stories that I've read about, too. Yeah. After the fact. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, um, and, and there, there, there's a little bit more room for choice in these as well. There are different ways uh, that they can shake out. That uh, makes me uh, uh, very excited about the stuff that's going to arise from the community. I mean, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, well after the fact, uh, we're recording it, you know, not immediately after the game came out, but people are still figuring things out. Like we, you know, the the the, the official guide hasn't even dropped yet. Yeah, which I can't wait to read the <laughs> in-universe enemy descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's going to be huge for me. Yeah. Um, speaking of again, just kind of a reduction. Um, covenants mm-hmm. are not really a thing anymore. Nope. <laughs> um, there are so there are three now. They're dedicated to th- different flavors of PvP. Mm-hmm. You will likely go through the whole game without running into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran into one naturally and looked up the other two. Right. Um, they are superfluous and weird kind of vestigial characteristics it's of more, just it being a Souls game. It's more of a way for you to kind of restrict um, the, the, the the kind of people that you're going to fight. Specifically, Senpai like, restricts my PvP. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but it's a way for you to kind of pick a team. Yeah. 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 And, and, and by pursuing these, you are naturally going to find those NPC quest lines that we talked about. Like, you have to do that to get these. Um, so that's that's useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's weird. Like I just kept expecting there to be more of them because that's such mm-hmm. a again, like when when it sounds like we're harping on things that they're taking out. Part of the reason is it wasn't like the, um, you know, the dragon covenant in Dark Souls one was awesome. What it was was the existence of which and going down and finding the, the Lord and kind of thinking of the implications for that covenant mm-hmm. were cool. It wasn't like the practice was that cool. Yeah. It was just the the kind of lore and the storytelling opportunities yeah. that came with it. Like the Princess Guard wasn't cool, but <laughs> if it wasn't for the Princess Guard, like those are miracles that are exclusive to the, uh, you know, mimosas that are <laughs> being drunk in Seath's uh, brunch. Arc. It's been a while since I played that game. But like the, uh, you know, that's why we know about those is because of those miracles. Right. Which isn't to say that the covenants that are there don't have their cool little beats to them. The fact that there are fewer of them and uh, they, they are kind of willfully hidden from view means that there's less opportunity to kind of get that insight. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a double edged kind of thing. Um, the ones that are there, I think are, are super cool. What's kind of weird is, um, the uh, so my wiki of choice wiki dot mm-hmm. has been slower to get on the bloodborne tip and that's probably because they do their job and they're really fastidious <laughs> um my my weekend wiki my little piece on the side fextra life which i don't even like saying yeah it's gotten um, better it's gotten better since uh, the dark souls 2 days honestly it has yeah it it definitely has and it's also kind of the only game in town for some of this stuff mm-hmm. um they in an early on uh, thing they were talking about covenants so they had like 9 of them listed <laughs> that had names that were really evocative and it made me think if it was like a nintendo like uncle from nintendo thing yeah or if they were planned like they were from early you know information and they, they got cut i don't know mm-hmm. what happened yeah but and what's that is that's going to just get thrown down the memory hole yeah <laughs> like any of those like, any of yeah. those names could have been like really evocative and cool and just like oh let me roll that around in my head for a little while but uh as they winnow down to the three that we know of like right uh, who knows what is what's yeah there, there. there still could be there definitely still could be things and especially like um insight specifically but i think that 
Um, we did take this extra week to get a little bit more familiar with the game, but don't, this stuff could change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of a snapshot of the, like what 90% of this game is. Yeah. At, well, or at, at least, the, yeah. 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 What, what we understand. Um, chalice dungeons mm -hmm. are a thing. Yeah. Now. So these are bonus dungeons that are accessible from the hub world. Um, you find items in the main quest and find either consumables or actually like, you know, kind of capital I items mm -hmm. that unlock them. And they kind of feed on each other. Like you go into a dungeon to find items to unlock more dungeons, mm -hmm. to unlock more dungeons. Um, there are story dungeons that are static and actually do play in the to the plot of Bloodborne. Um, root dungeons, uh, which are procedurally generated. So it is like a Binding of Isaac seed. For a dungeon. And uh, then there are also defiled dungeons, which are dungeons that are like super challenged dungeons. Mm -hmm. So those are meant to be, um, you, you, essentially, you essentially spend the whole time cursed um, in them. Yeah. And uh, these get really difficult. Um, they're independent of the new game cycle, which makes me think that they're meant to be played over the course of several games. Right. Yeah. yeah I was the kind of full story. I was very surprised that uh, that there was a canonical version of these, uh, of these spots because the pre- release marketing that really played these chalice dungeons up as a key differentiator uh for for this game versus the others uh really really leaned into the random side of it so that means that we can effectively cover these uh for the show as opposed to uh like doing one episode on you know a couple things that show up right in right. the seeds we, we played respectively imagine if it was just random it would be like us describing our dreams to each other <laughs> it'd be a nightmare and all the entertainment that comes with you know, nothing like hearing a dream described. Um, what happens to a dream described? Does it, does it shrivel up? Um, the, uh, so, so essentially, like, if that, that happened, it would kind of be like infinite dark Bloodborne, which it kind of is now. But I, I see I can see them getting really boring really quick. Yeah. Um, even the, the main story ones, like, they are combat challenges. Like, there's some neat set pieces and stuff, but it's not as well designed. What's kind of cool is there are unique bosses. And again, it does play into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be covering uh, Chalice Dungeons yeah. and they a little are, bit uh, later in the season. Yeah, they're worth they're they're worth dipping into. I was initially skeptical of it, but uh, there the, there is stuff there, even if it is not as immediately aesthetically rewarding as the bespoke content that makes up the main body. Yeah, of the game. It, it's not the A game. Mm -hmm. Like it it is a little bit of a diversionary. It's the C thing. game for Chalice. Yes, the B game for Bloodborne. The A game for A Train. <laughs> uh, now on IBM PCs. Um, yeah. And then there are a couple of things we we still couldn't get totally into. Um, as we mentioned, Insight um, is going to, I think it's going to have more effects than we think. Mm -hmm. um, somebody released a really cool video I put on Facebook and it has some kind of spoilerness to it. So um, don't necessarily watch it, but it shows a way that an enemy changes um, at a certain Insight marker. And it's very cool. Yeah. Um, it's something that's easy to miss if you're playing, but it's, Pretty cool. And I want, like, I said this on Facebook, but I want to be learning things about Insight a year from now. Yeah. Like, I want someone to be, oh, shit. Like, if you get 99 Insight, which is really hard to do, but you get to this early place <laughs> with 99 Insight, like, this happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, this, uh, it's it, it's nice that it's measurable, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, right now, we understand the effect to be global weirding, right? It mm -hmm. just makes everything a little bit more heightened. Uh, but there mm -hmm. are specific ways that that, that, that articulates. And uh, that is one of many complications for how we're going to structure this season. Because do we talk about the way that an area changed with high insight um, yeah. during the main episode, right? Yeah, especially since, you know, at this point, like you maybe haven't gotten there. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk about spoilers, you know, again, like right after this section. But one last little thing, uh, beast mode. Mm-hmm. 
which is a so for a game ostensibly about werewolves, it's not about werewolves. The uh, <laughs> you'd expect to, to have a little that play a little bit more into it and turn to a werewolf. And the answer is you can, but it is so hidden and obscure <laughs> and situational that you won't. Right. Um, so what we understand about this, um, there's one weapon that you can find that will turn you into kind of a beast mode. You have a beasthood stat that is inverse to your insight stat. Mm-hmm. So the higher your insight, the lower your beast mode stat. The uh, And what that actually, it's like a rage meter. Like if you fill that up, then the higher that goes, the more, or the higher your stat is, if you filled up your meter, the more damage you do, but the lower your defense is. Mm-hmm. And right now it is, that weapon is the only thing that triggers beast mode reliably. Um, there are pellets you can find and eat mm-hmm. um, that will give you a meter to fill up, but you'll probably won't be able to do it yeah. um, in time. And uh, And that's all there is really to it. Um, there's like a, a wep- there's one weapon that's hard to find that turns you into a werewolf. Yeah. Um, and so. we now have to pay Marshawn Lynch thousands of dollars for saying beast mode so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Was, is he the, one of the founding hip hop members of the beast mode squad? <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, their, 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 their hit single claws for alarm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, no, he's a, he's, he's a sportsman for the Seahawks. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, uh, thank you for clarifying that. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to sound like I didn't know. <laughs> well, uh, well, <laughs> but, but well I didn't. instead, you just left me to like condescend to you and explain a sports thing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, I needed to be condescended to you. Sometimes, sometimes you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's. Uh, so that's every. That's it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not remotely everything. But those are all the differences. Season that are, over. Yeah, big. Yeah, big ones. See you guys in uh, in, in in blood blood birth blood death. <laughs> the um. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to do about spoilers. Uh, we haven't had a conversation about this ahead of time, so I hope we're on the same page. <laughs> I, I think I mean we'll do it the same way we did other seasons. Like at a certain point, all bets will be off. Mm-hmm. Um, we should say that the game is all of the middle of the game is more or less nonlinear, right? Um, so as a general rule, if you haven't played an area and you don't want to learn about it, don't listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. We'll do our best not to talk about things that happen in the future. Yeah, we won't cross contaminate. Yep, until that kind of midway point where everything kind of opens up and. In order to conjecture on what's happening, we'll have to talk about a little bit about what comes later. But we'll we'll say that out loud. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will give ample warning if there's going to be an egregious uh, point of view. But uh, you know, if you listen to our any of our coverage of these games before they come out, you know that there is very little because we really value um, ourselves personally the experience of approaching these uh, kind of unsullied and kind of unprimed. Um, so it, it is something that we definitely want to preserve for you if you are experiencing this for the first time. Um, keep an eye out for the, the the area names, and that should be a pretty good guide for you. Yeah. Yep. So then that's more or less it. If we do end up slipping up and saying something that you consider a spoiler, like spoilers are so dumb mm-hmm. in this in the Internet age. Like it's such a nebulous definition. Um, you know, and something that somebody considers to be a spoiler, somebody else might not. Like, I didn't watch any footage of this. There are people who probably watch streams of it, and mm-hmm. we might say something, and they'll be like, spoiler. <laughs> it's like, well, you yeah. watch the game before you even got a chance to touch it, you know? Um, so people consider the spoilers different things. But um, if we do accidentally slip up, we apologize. It's not intentional. We're not yeah. setting out to ruin the game for anybody. Right. And this is cold comfort, but if we say, if we make some kind of offhanded allusion to something that comes a little bit later, uh, chances are by the time you get to it, you will have forgotten about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, if you are somebody, so since this is a PS4 exclusive, um, if you're not going to, ha- if you don't have a PS4, which like, I don't, don't blame you if you don't, mm-hmm. um, and you're kind of experiencing the season vicariously, I don't think that is, it's obviously not the best way to experience it. 
but mm-hmm. I don't, I think it'll still be worth playing. Mm-hmm. If like you just listen to the show and then in a year you get a PS4, mm-hmm. you'll still really like playing it because you'll probably discover things that we didn't discover. You'll have the kind of mechanical edge to it and you'll actually see them rather than this here, like two chubby Midwestern depressives talk about it, <laughs> um, which is the way to do it. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So in either way, even if there is like a little bit of a spoiler, if, if you get something you didn't, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Yep. Um, so yeah, let's talk about uh, what happens when you boot up the game. Let's talk about the <laughs> well, cutscene. You get a title screen. You can choose yeah. online mode or <laughs> offline mode. Yeah, we're, we're going through all of them. And then, strangely <laughs> enough, there's a continue option instead of just a. What does that mean? Weird. Um, no, we're, we're we're talking about once you hit start and you do the opening cutscene. I could load the game, but are they are they building the are they building the meta structure of playing the game into the narrative? Is this is this a game about the Metallica's classic load? You see the Nava the Navajo word for game actually shares a root with dream. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't know about and, that. And, and the Metallica album Load shares a name with the Metallica album Reload. <laughs> um so what once you decided uh, to put on your crown king nothing, um you get this opening cutscene, uh where you are in a gurney in a dark room. And an old man in a wheelchair kind of comes up to you and says, uh, he, he is the blood minister. Mm-hmm. Um, that is you know, what he is credited as. Yeah. Um, and he says, oh, yes, pale blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, in response to a question that you didn't ask, right? Like, yes, or you weren't, you, we weren't there to yes, ask. Yes, we, we, we were not privy uh, to, to, to that to set up what it is. And immediately after that, you know, we're looking at uh, uh, saying, like, you came to the right place. Yarnum is the home of blood ministration. You need only unravel its mystery. Singular mystery. Yeah. But there's actually other mysteries, which again, that, that is what lends me a little bit to believe that the kind of first half of this game is a little bit of a, a bait and switch mm-hmm. in the best possible way. Um, he says, uh, where is an outsider like yourself to begin? Easy with a bit of yarn and blood of your own. Mm-hmm. And uh, he leans in to give you this injection and you, re- you see that his eyes are occluded, mm-hmm. um, similar to the uh, candle maiden, yeah. um, you know, the which maiden. was the first thing I thought of. Maiden in black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of played into all those rumors that this was going to be the same room world that Demon Souls mm-hmm. uh, was in. In now that I have played it, I don't think that's true. <laughs> right. Um, but, it, you know, I, the, this was since I was kind of going into it so blind, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, this is the Candle Maiden's great, great, great grandson. <laughs> yeah. Now he's got blood. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, that's the thing like, about, blood, about Demon Souls. Nobody had any blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't um, as violent as this game. Dear God, is it violent? Yeah, it is very violent. Yeah. So yeah, he he injects us in with his occluded blood, well, and uh, says uh, before for first you, you'll need a contract. Like you're setting yeah, up for a uh, for a uh, transfusion in order to get this blood to kind of like naturalize you to the Yarnum experience. Yes, he's about to, and he he has to do this contract, which is your character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do your appearance, your name, and your background, which is essentially your class, mm-hmm. your starting stats. It doesn't really yeah. affect uh, equipment at all. We're going to get to that here in a second. Yeah. Um, the character creation is really robust and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a wide selection of pale waifs, <laughs> um, like male or female pale yeah. waifs, but you essentially can, pale waifs. You can make a jaundiced waif. Yeah. <laughs> jaundiced waif. You can do, you can do a, a waif of color. You can do any kind, any number oh, of WOC. suffering <laughs> waifs. <Yeah. So. laughs> well, they're all, they're, they're all so sickly. You're, you know, it's assumed that you're here because of some kind of an infection, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. N- never, never outright stated, but you know, assumed and and you can make the greatest monsters in this too like <laughs> more than this is the most robust character creation engine they've had in this series so you can make really really scary <laughs> things um which is pretty cool yeah um, um, i love the descriptions on the uh, on the backgrounds 
Yeah. Uh, like the deprived is the waste of skin. Uh, like each of these gives just like a little bit of a, a little bit of motivation for why you have the particular set of skills that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you can have glasses. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I really dig. You can also put on crazy steampunk goggles, which let's have a half hour long conversation about whether this game is steampunk, Gary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or we could just have a half hour long conversation about steampunk and why I don't like it. <laughs> um, why, why. And that, that'll, that's a that's an Arcanum B-side for, for my blog at some point. But like this is not steampunk, <laughs> which is great. And even if it was like it wouldn't ruin it if like a big automaton like horse came out. Will Smith is riding it or something like that. Yeah. Like Spider I'd probably dicks. still be OK with it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say Spider Dicks? Yeah, yeah. What's 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 his name? That that actor. Uh, the, he played. Uh, he Kevin played Klein. A, no, no. Kevin Klein was the good guy. Kevin Klein's a national oh. treasure. Uh, no, the oh, uh, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, he played. Uh, AKA Spider Dicks. Yep. No, he uh, he his his whole thing was the he got his dick cut off in the war and uh, that's his motivation and uh, at the end he rides. What? Yeah, he rides a mechanical spider. Uh, that uh, has like phalluses and stuff on it. It's crazy. I, Go back I, and watch I, <laughs> Wild Wild West. Scary. Oh boy, I I knew that he rode a giant mechanical spider. I had no idea the status uh, with regards to his dick. <laughs> yep, he's called um, his, his his name is Loveless. Weird. I know, right? Wow. No, no dick on that. Yes, this man in fact has no dick. Uh, yeah, and he's kind of Branow. Yep. Of, of Shakespeare fame. <laughs> yeah, like a legit actor. Capital A. Yeah, and he's just like he's like, well, listen, I know this is gonna seem weird, but to play this giant spider mechanical villain, we have to have your backstory cut off your dick. Yeah. And he was just like, sign me up. I also I directed fucking, you know, Hamlet. Um, yeah, okay, that's weird. <laughs> so yes, uh, all, all steampunk. The main characters have no dicks. That, that's probably and true. the villains. The and women, the, Gary. Yeah, the, the women, the no dicks. Yeah. Oh, the failed Gary. Shots fired. <laughs> Zing. No, I, I would never say somebody has no dick as an insult. Right. What a weird thing yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who gives a shit if you had dick? Yeah. I, like I, I go through so much of my life without thinking about my dick. <laughs> like I literally, this is the first time I thought about it today, and I've peed <laughs> like twice, and this is the first time I've literally been like, oh yeah, I got a dick. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me at all. Who are these people who just walk around thinking about their dicks? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, and anybody who's listening for the first time, this happens a lot. Yeah, this is this is this is the kind of cock cast here. <laughs> You're looking for blood ball. Um, it's a podcast. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you you sign your X on the line that is dotted, and mm-hmm. uh, um, the transfusion begins. Whatever happens, you may think it all to be a mere bad dream, setting this up to be a Lynchian exploration of what the meaning of reality is. Yep. And he laughs like he, he seems like a, a real shithead. He <laughs> seems sinister. And, uh, you awaken in a way that made me think of, um, anesthesia paralysis. Yeah. You know, like you're awake, but you can't do anything. Like, like that you can Hayden Christensen movie awake. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, made me think of awake and the, uh, it'd be amazing how often I go through a day without even thinking about awake. Like this is literally <laughs> the first time I thought about awake today. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I've got the poster above my bed. He's so dreamy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he just left you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a pool of blood bubbles up from the floor and a skinless blood werewolf. Yeah. I thought about my dick here because I was rock hard at how <laughs> yeah. awesome this was. This imagery is so great. Just like rising up from the, fo- the floor as though this spilled blood created a portal to some kind of hellish netherworld where skinless wolfmen cavorted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 he, he looks really great. The interesting thing, though, is that he is scared off because somebody throws a Molotov at him. Hmm. And I don't know who did that. 
nor do I. I, I. I thought that he just kind of like caught fire from uh, from proximity, and I've watched this opening cutscene several times. I, I really thought somebody threw a Molotov because it, it's directional. Like it takes it sets his right side mm-hmm. on fire. Maybe it is proximity though. Yeah, like he, it's the, it's the side that's reaching toward you. It's the claw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that that makes more sense than than what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really did feel like. Yeah, you know, it felt like it's, that. It, like it's accompanied by a percussive sound too, and I could see that. The reason yeah. that I think that it's proximity is because right after this, the uh, the messengers show up. Yeah, and uh, they, they they are kind of seen as being these protector forces. You don't know that right now, like you think out of the frying pan, um, <laughs> adjacent to the fire, and then into the fire. Yeah, um, into yeah. These things are these things look terrifying. Mm-hmm. These are great. I love the messengers. Yeah, <laughs> they end up being like the mascot for this game. Yeah. Um, so they crawl all over you and eventually the, uh, the screen fades to black and, uh, you hear a female voice that says, ah, you found yourself a hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, we, this is the doll. Yeah, this I'm, is. I'm 90% sure. And that actually makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So the blood you're getting in this, this cutscene, and you kind of getting, so the blood, you know, that gives you your, your weird kind of semi-bestial powers. Yeah. What's happening though, is that you're being drawn in this, this dream world and you're being protected. Right. Um, so these these messengers are you know sent uh, from a character we're gonna meet a little bit later this episode, mm-hmm. um, and that's the person who's found themselves a hunter. So that that all makes sense. That is what yeah. is protecting you from the beast, and that beast could not actually be a monster. It could also be the metaphorical like actually succumbing to the beasthood that mm-hmm. has taken over the entire town. Like yeah. it's your sentience. Yeah. This this could be this could be like a twilight uh, hallucination. Yes. Um, yeah. As uh, as 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 it uh, kind of claws in. Uh, two things: the voice of the doll, the voice that you hear, is the is the the maiden in black. That is the yes. same voiceover. Uh, so that also that was the moment where I thought, wait a minute, is this Demon Souls? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Even though you know they, they they share voice actors, you know they just they, they have kind of they're like Christopher Nolan. They have like a cast of four actors they use. Yeah. Um, um. And kind uh, kind of secondarily, uh, when you awake from this, you have the hunter's mark. Right. Yes. And also yeah. you're in a world that has these messengers um, waiting around for you. So already the, the the rules of what you would assume would be a normal reality are uh, kind of slipping apart. Oh, shit. Hold on a second. Cool. Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm using my shitty PS4 earbud and it fell out of my ear. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'll, re- I'll repeat a little bit of what I said. Okay. So you've got these messengers showing up and already the, 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 the rules of reality are kind of uh, slipping apart. Yes. Yeah. So you you have been you've been marked, um, this person that the the doll says has found you has marked you, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah you you wake up it, you're not getting this kind of mythology right you know or backstory to the game um, that you've gotten in all the other ones. This yeah. is just like you are a person and now you're locked in a room, mm-hmm. and all you know is that uh, something about pale blood. Yeah, um, this is not deductive like you know like in ancient times there were these gods and whatever. Here's the way the mechanics of the world work, and then you go down to a room in a cell. This is inductive, where you're working from the small details out. Yep. And uh, you're in uh, Iosefka's? Yosefka's. Yosefka. Yosefka's yeah. clinic. Um, this is uh, an abandoned room in a clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dark. It is cluttered. It is super, uh, you know, gothic horror. Mm-hmm. You tons of little vials and uh, syringes and such. Yeah, you, uh, you like, like any horror, like any good horror game. Uh, there, there's plenty of medical equipment lying around. Yes, and uh, there are messengers here, and mm-hmm. this takes the place of soapstone messages. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little, just kind of bubbling pools, and if you click on them, the messengers actually pop up, mm-hmm. give you the message, and then kind of chuckle. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. They're also harder to see because they're in grayscale as opposed to yeah. the, the, the screaming the screaming orange. Uh something that I had to go back. I actually played the I played the intro to this like three times tonight, something like that to determine. Uh you you are going to sleep and waking up in the same place. The yes. uh, the blood minister is gone. This is you know, like you you came to Yosefka's clinic. Um, but uh we you know, there there's no reason, you know, for us to believe that what we are seeing is the same version of this clinic that we walked into. Yeah. Yep. 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 And it's also uh, what's kind of interesting um, about this, or about the uh, the the messengers um, being so harder to see, is that and a couple of color choices with that grayscale made a huge difference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think had to do with my color blindness. Did you have a hard time finding your blood stain? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really hard time with it. That screaming orange was good. Mm-hmm. Like I liked that screaming orange. Like it didn't. Yeah. It wouldn't have fit in here, but like I had a hard time finding a lot of the stuff. Yeah, the uh, like it ends up being like a small little purple geyser on the ground. Yeah. Um, whereas the the the, the bright green um, blood stain, you could see that from across the map and in Orlando, you could see exactly where you died from pretty much a mile away. Yeah. Um, so here, that 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 kind of makes retrieval, which depending on how much you lose and how much you're kind of still attached to it, which you're going to be because of how expensive things are. Um, yes. Um, it, it definitely adds a little bit of complications to the point where I was actually happy when an enemy picked up my blood stain because I could actually see where it was, and I just yeah. had to kill him as opposed to walking around like I dropped my contact lens. <laughs> it, it makes a, it makes going to a boss that you died to a real scramble too. Mm-hmm. Like, can I get? to my bloodstain before this thing stunlocks me mm-hmm. and kills me before I get to it. Um, <clears throat> as you kind of travel down the, the infirmary, there are tutorial texts yeah. um, here that are the messengers. And uh, when you get into this larger infor- infirmary full of gurneys and such, there is a huge werewolf mowing down on a guy. Yeah. Um, and this is your, your asylum demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind yeah. of initial. <laughs> Which is funny because he only has about a third of his health, but because you are completely unarmed, um, it's still likely that is going to take you out. We had some um, respondents in the in the appendix ex- uh, episode um, say like, yeah, you know, I, I took him out with just my bare with my, with a, my bare hands. But uh, it's it is quite likely, almost certain that you're going to die here on your first uh, on your first go. And what's a big bummer is you don't get anything for taking him out. Mm-hmm. No trophy, nothing mechanical. Like that's something you know we saw with the taking out the pursuer when he first shows up in Dark Souls Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a bummer. Like I wish that. Like I liked it when when From rewarded that stuff, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's very likely he's going to kill you if you don't decide and fight him. You can actually run past him and go to the the next lamp mm-hmm. and go to the Hunter's Dream that way. That's the the speed run tactic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Hunter's Dream. Um, if he once you die, you go back here, or if you go to the lamp, and uh, this is our hub area. Yeah, I love the way this is introduced. You yeah. you know come to it fades up from black and you kind of see a a, a non distinct you know shape figure off in the distance. And this uh, kind of greenery in the foreground, and you slowly get up, and the thing in the distance comes into focus. This church-like building, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't. It, it, it took longer than I am willing to admit, um, specifically to fi- for me to figure out that this is the hub world. I thought that this was kind of like taking me to the actual world of the game. That there was going to be this verdant entrance to this uh, terrible place of Yarnum. Yeah, or that you were just going to spend time exploring this weird dream. Yeah, state. yeah, like and it was this like was going to be the actual tutorial, switch. right? Like, yeah. the, the, like the, the, this would be the, uh, the 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 version of the asylum. Yeah, that's what I thought that for a moment too, and it, it's kind of uh, enforced by the fact that you do find uh, the doll here, but she doesn't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like right in front of you, there is a you know 
a real doll. <laughs> yeah, essentially, uh, slightly bigger than real life. Uh, even yep. the even the biggest um, female model is uh, is smaller than her. And boy, mm-hmm. is this uncanny valley! If you look at your if you look at her hands, um, yeah, it is uh, very very crudely articulated. Yeah. But uh, very cool, and uh, I would you know initially think, oh, this is my Emerald Herald, this is my my Candle Maiden, um, but it's you know since she doesn't say anything, like I also thought I was still in tutorial mm-hmm. mode. Yeah, and you can kind of walk around in this place and uh, kind of get a tour. Uh, I love the aesthetics of this. Yeah, um, I, there's the, the 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 whole way that this is put together is this awesome combination of like outdoorsy and woodsy and surreal and dreamlike. When you look off in the distance, uh, I was happy that they put the uh, the arch trees in there. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, those those like nondescript pillars that look like the the backdrop of a Beksinski painting, uh, because that's one of my favorite images from you know the the, the Mainline Souls series. And the fact that I get to see that every time I warp back to my hub uh, was, was great. Seeing these uh, what would appear to be topless tree trunks rising from the mist below. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you if you kind of take the the long way around, and um, there's kind of a long looping path that gives you more tutorial messages. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, I just did that because whenever a Souls game asks me to do something, I do the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. Because usually there's a there's a nameless soldier soul there, and I gotta have it. <laughs> uh, but if you head towards the building, um, there are very uh, different kind of messengers that are holding up weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is your weapon choice for the game, and this is this is really huge. Yeah. And um, this is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, it is more important than your background. Um, this is the biggest thing that's going to determine your your real fighting style because you have so little opportunity to change this yeah. for so long. And, you know, I I didn't especially get enough of the badges to buy a lot of gear. Mm-hmm. Do we know if it's possible to, like, if I pick the saw cleaver, uh, buy the threaded cane, or are you just kind of, like, locked out of those other play styles entirely? You can buy them actually really early. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, the badge that gives you access to buy the other tutorial weapons from the, the merchant here mm-hmm. um, comes pretty quick. Wah, wah. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Like, the, the game doesn't, the way, I didn't want to switch weapons at all in this game, really, mm-hmm. because it's so long before you get a new one. Like, I think that the game does kind of encourage, like, rocking your initial weapons, and part of that is because they're all really viable. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about them. Yeah, so the saw cleaver, it's kind of a way to uh, switch from a long sword to a short sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the one that I picked because of the Ryu effect. If they put it on the front uh, of the box, then that is probably uh, one of the ways that they kind of designed to play it. So mm-hmm. um, I, I got this, and I was very satisfied with it pretty much up until I got the weapon that I was going to spend the rest of the game playing. And they even uh, kind of like give a nod uh, to the idea of this being uh, kind of the canonical version of the hunter's weapon. Uh, they say it's a symbol of the hunt. And uh, they, they give a little bit of flavor text, which I'm not sure if it has a mechanical effect because they say it grows <laughs> in effectiveness the more transformed the beast. Yeah. Who who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, the weird thing about this is it doesn't look like a weapon. It looks like a piece of medical equipment. Mm-hmm. It looks like an old-time bone saw Yeah, to me, which is really cool. Um, the hunter's axe, uh, which is what I ended up picking um, because I was going to play a strength build. Um, and it was the one like these have very minimal scaling, but it was the one with the favorite strength um, is a short hand axe that turns into a halberd, mm-hmm. um, which I ended up I'm still using it. My new game plus character. Um, mm-hmm. I found two other weapons that I like, but this is does more damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has reach that I became very dependent on um, as well. You know, one of the things we talked about in the combat or maybe we glossed over, but it is so important to get the first strike. Mm-hmm. In uh, in Bloodborne, um, and because of that that stagger rule, and being able to you know be a, a several tumba widths away, mm-hmm. and uh, and still stagger an enemy was really important. Yeah, 
Uh, I can't make a joke out of this, but I'm just going to throw it in here anyway. The Legend of Stagger Vance, which I assume is a, <laughs> is, a is a frat comedy about uh, a, you know a, about a, Stagger Lee's son. Yes. But father, I don't want to be a killer. I want to go to Ventsworth. I, I was trying to come up with an Ivy League school name. Ventsworth. I know we're in the same Ventsworth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just any air conditioning. Like you Staggerly. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah um but the, the 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 axe is kind of the it's it's the only one of these starting weapons that goes from a one-handed to a, a weapon to a two-handed weapon um mm-hmm. in a game that otherwise uh for, for for a lot of the weapons uh encourages you to uh have your your uh, your torch or your gun in your offhand yep and then finally the threaded cane um which is essentially the puzzling stone sword yeah um from dark souls 2 mm-hmm. and i i started a character that i wanted to have be a skill-based character and use this thing mm-hmm. um i don't like it yeah um yeah i don't i don't think it's very good like it is it's not powerful enough and the everything in its transform trick form like whip form takes too long to hit yeah. and is too likely to hit the walls next to me yeah um so i had a really hard time making good use of uh its trick form mm-hmm. yep i uh i also started a character for uh with, with that one as well i ran into a little bit of that um but um I, i'm kind of seeing some advantages to it um at the very least as a way to uh take advantage of high skill at the start i think what i'm gonna do um i'm thinking i'm gonna restart this character that is playing along with the show mm-hmm. and try an arcane build yeah um, or a blood tinge build, and then just pick uh, the saw saw cleaver, so I can try that instead. Yeah, because um, that's a quality weapon. And we didn't talk about this, but the uh, the the threaded cane is a dex weapon or skill weapon. Mm-hmm. The uh, the axe is a strength weapon, and the saw cleaver is a quality mm-hmm. or you know equal weapon. Yeah. Quality being it scales with both uh, strength and uh, skill or dexterity. Yep. Um, for anybody who's not aware of those different kinds of builds from the earlier, earlier games. Um, there's further lore around the axe. It says, oh, people pick this when they want to play the part of the executioner, kind of lean mm-hmm. into the, 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 the bestial, brutal side of this. Um, and uh, the threaded cane is more for uh, people who uh, want to hold on to scraps of civilization uh, to help ensure that the bloodlust of the hunt won't encroach on the soul. Yeah, I'd be curious if these actually, I've never noticed if these had an effect on your beasthood stat or how the, that plays out, because it mm-hmm. certainly sounds like it does, Yeah, based on those those descriptions. It, it would have to extend other weapons, otherwise, like, to this this first choice, it's almost like Eternal Darkness, <laughs> where, yeah. where, like, it's having an effect on something that you can't really see and don't know is a, is a, is a big choice until well after you've made it. Yeah. The, uh, the second messenger gives you your, your sidearm, which is either a blunderbuss or a pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, the blunderbuss has shorter range, but a wider arc. Yeah. Um, and the pistol is a little bit faster. Um, and keep in mind, like you're not using these to shoot things. Yeah. You're using them to draw aggro in the worst of situations, but mm-hmm. for the most part to parry. Yeah. Um, so there are arguments for both. One of them is a little bit of a quicker parry. The other one, you can be a little bit off center yeah. and still score the parry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I chose a blunderbuss my first time through. I'm trying the pistol, uh, just for flavor. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, new guns are even fewer and farther between than uh, than new melee weapons, and more situational. Yeah, than than the weapons are like there are there are guns that like I just like why would I unless I'm build planning a build around it mm-hmm. why would I use the cannon? Yeah, yeah they're they're utilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, the mm-hmm. third messenger gives you a notebook, uh, which allows you to send messages to mm-hmm. other worlds. Yeah, and Germans, also so. rate messages as well. So if you leave an uh, an especially good uh, note, people will rate it fine or foul. Uh, mm-hmm. which uh, if you're rated fine, it'll give you a little bit of a health boost. Do you get, is it only if your moto is rated fine or is it if, if your note is rated foul as well? I only get notifications and health ups when people rate my note fine. That could mean that nobody's rated it foul, but um, you know, I'm not. Or does, it, does it say what it rate, yeah. rates it or does it just say your note was rated? Uh, it says your note was rated fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Because I like the idea of like people rewarding you for doing things that people don't like as well. <laughs> it just turns just, into uh, YouTube, <laughs> where where yeah. where a down thumb is the same as an up thumb in terms of yeah, like exactly. how people actually get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the, uh, well, the thinking just being like, if you're an especially good trickster, like you've at least made an impact. Yeah. Well, in that you case, know? like if, if there's an especially good one, I will rate it fine because if it, if it led me astray. If it's actually funny, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I appreciate a good pranksman. And if you just put a illusory wall in front of a blank wall spot, fuck you, because yeah. that's not clever. <laughs> you know it's not. Um, Which... It only exists in Chalice Dungeons, dick. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent play... the whole game looking for those. <laughs> I'm playing, uh, I'm playing, uh, um, oh gosh, Scholar of the, of the First Sin uh, now uh, because I just came out here recently so like people rushed out in force to like put up the normal stuff including like yeah. illusory wall like in corners and stuff and horribly misogynist shit in front of uh female people so yeah but a, a lot of the stuff that they put up actually did do a good job of warning me about changes and things which oh, yeah. is kind of cool like nice. uh I, I played it fairly early and people did a lot of good stuff which i was i was into nice um yeah so the doors to this building are locked for now Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't get in there yet. Um, you see the ritual altars, which is how we're going to get into chalice dungeons. Mm-hmm. You see the headstones, which are how we're going to teleport. Yeah. Those are like arc stones from demon souls. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Um, over behind the building, there are these, uh, two different kinds of messengers that, uh, come into play later nightmare messengers, which you can, uh, uh, trade insight at for, uh, particular items like expensive consumables or, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's also where you buy your bells. Uh, but that is not mm-hmm. until much later. Um, and then also stunt messengers where you can dress your messengers up. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is real cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, just a minor correction, just so people don't call you out. The uh, nightmare messengers are in front of the house. Okay. Not yeah. behind the house. The, um, yeah. And I, I, uh, didn't actually discover these guys until, uh, new game plus. Oh yeah. In which they take away all your messenger items. So I haven't used uh-huh. these things yet. I gave yep. my guys top hats. It was delightful. I, I wanted to, I, I just did. I didn't think that you could get behind there. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I put down a note for everyone else, <laughs> like reeks of hidden bath. Nice. It's a fine note. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. You get the, the rest of your tutorials. Oh, and there's actually a, just a regular messenger as well. Yes. Um, down front or a regular yeah, the, uh, merchant. Yeah, yeah. The bath, the, 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 the bath messenger. So when people say go to the bath, um, they're not telling you to up your hygiene game. They're saying go buy uh, the normal guys. Um, yep. And like different, you, 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 you pick up plot items that open up new, uh, new, you know, new, new items from that guy. So you're not going to different merchants to buy different things. Yes. Like yeah. uh, badges are kind of what this game has instead of boss souls a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And those are like licenses to buy things, almost like Final Fantasy twelve. Mm-hmm. Um uh, down the hill past the pro tip pit, there's a there's a gate that you can't open up that just bedeviled me the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> that looks out yeah. over a flowery field with a massive tree. But uh yeah. not, not till later. Well, there's weird messages because there's like locked or does not open or closed by a device. Mm-hmm. And this one is just says uh, does not open. Mm-hmm. I think, and what that means is does not open yet. Right. Um, the uh, yeah. So you uh, you go to that first headstone and you return to uh, Yarnum by awaken at lamp, mm-hmm. and you're back to Yosefka's clinic part mm-hmm. two so for we- fucking vengeance. <laughs> so which is the dream and which is reality? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Like, um, I don't. I don't. So, so there's some subtle changes here. You're awakening. You're awakening in one of like the small like vestibule rooms uh, with a lamp that wasn't there before. Um, mm-hmm. And also, if you attempt to go back up the stairs, which I didn't do this until new game, so mm-hmm. I've attempted to go back up the stairs to the to the clinic room where you awakened. Uh, you can't actually go in there. The door has been uh, closed and barred, and the uh, and the glass has been kind of boarded over, so you can't see in. And there's uh, there's a woman on the other side who is taking care of people in there, apparently. And yeah, that, we'll, that, well, that's uh, that's Yosefka. Yeah, yeah, the titular Yosefka. Um, Yosefka, thank you. Yeah. 
and uh, and yeah, she she's in there uh, taking care of people, and she doesn't want you in because hunters apparently carry the taint. Yes, and we're going to talk about her. Like mm-hmm. she is a major NPC, but we're going to talk about her later. Yeah, um, because you're limited in what you can do with her. Yeah, yeah. Right now, uh, you can go up there, and she hands you uh, kind of these nice healing items, uh, very effective items called Yosefka's blood. Um, yeah, she she just gives you some of her blood, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird. And that acts as kind of a like divine blessing, mm-hmm. like it heals you a lot. But you can only carry one of them with you at a time. Um, one interesting thing is that the window behind her is boarded up, but you can see in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth looking. So whenever you interact with this person, head back and take a look. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you, so you head down the stairs, and uh, there's old Wolfie. <laughs> um, not only just the dog in Terminator Two, but also a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, <laughs> few people know that that the dog they used was a was a lycanthrope in Terminator. Yeah, II. was a blood blood wolf. Yep. He was yep. sent. He was sent back after they developed the technology. Yeah, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger broke both his knees. Yep. And That's really uh, sad. Yeah, um, but now you can kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got a, th- a third health. I-, I like to think that he was starving out because he mm-hmm. uh, had had eaten all of the uh, mutated corpses. Like if you look at them, they're really unsettling because their proportions are off. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and it's easy to kill him, and it feels good mm-hmm. to do so here. And uh, you know, you head out through. He gives you some blood vials and kind of signals to you how you're going to be catching those uh, consumables. Mm-hmm. And uh, you head out the front door. Um, and it is a, a beautiful city. You emerge into a graveyard. Yeah. Um, under a blood red sky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it's me. laughs> Which I have to question the, 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 the wisdom of the, uh, of the city planning here to put a, to put a, a, a graveyard right outside of a doctor's office. It's like somebody was playing Sim City or like a, <laughs> like a city building game and just wanted the least amount of like travel <laughs> yep. and transit. Like you literally need to be able to dump out the corpses out the window. <laughs> yep, out, out the corpse chute. Yeah, um, but yeah. So this is this is your introduction a little bit to to, uh, to Yarnum. Yeah, which yeah. we're going to be talking about in uh, more detail mm-hmm. next episode, of course. Yeah. Um, but you do get a little bit of your, um, you know, your your set dressing. So tons of statues. Yeah, um, the statues are really interesting. Take a look at them. They uh, they all have occluded faces. And, and occluded eyes, which is going to be very important. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, some kind of like uh, cluttering and sweetening of the uh, of the set in terms of corpses and things. Like right outside yes. the, uh, the 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 rickety front gates that you also open up to see this massive bridge ahead of you over the uh, over the skyline that stretches as far as the eye can see. Wonderful view. Um, mm-hmm. You see uh, you see a dead horse coming back at you, strong from demon souls. Yeah, uh, dead horses de- are back, baby. Yep, a dead fly fly ridden horse that is uh, collapsed in front of his stagecoach as though uh, there was a there was a desperate. Uh, um, and ill-considered flight to uh, to, to, to the uh, clinic itself, but they were denied entrance. And also loads and loads of coffins. Yeah. So we'll talk about those two, like, two things. Like one, um, like we know it's a Demon Souls world because there are horses, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But uh, so one thing is uh, there are top hats as well, mm-hmm. and they stand out, and I was like, oh, the first boss is going to be some kind of fucking like top hat, like <laughs> like some kind of like Shovel Knight-esque hatter character because <laughs> yeah, like the, the, the mad initially you you run into like three top hats and they just like they stand out so much and then you stop running into top hats <laughs> but initially there's just top hats on the floor everywhere and they're bigger than than your hat would be mm-hmm. i was like oh these have to be but another thing so one of the the delusions i'm laboring under right now about um bloodborne doing a lot to set up a thing to undermine it mm-hmm. um on purpose is these coffins because these coffins uh have locks on the outside yeah they're chained up 
yeah, these are coffins to keep things in. Mm -hmm. And a curse where people resurrect from the dead is has happened in every demon, every Souls game. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't happen here. Right. There's not an in-game explanation for why your enemies respawn. Mm -hmm. There's not, an, that there's I not an explanation for why you wake up aside or respawn aside from the fact that they're playing with the whole dream narrative. Well, or that you have the hunter's mark. Yeah. Like you were, you know, you were going to die from that wolf, but every time you're about to die, you're, German, you're, yeah, you're, you know, you're draws you back. back. Yeah. Um, but but, but that, that's not explicitly stated. Yeah, that, that, that's just, that's exactly, that's just my thought. But that's a big part of every other Souls game is this curse. Here, when I first saw coffins with chains on the outside, I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. <laughs> but that's not what they're doing. Um, and it's really clever. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it is a really, really clever visual signpost because they know that people who are into the Souls games are going to be, like, digging through this stuff, you know, with, with attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's just there to, you know, I can't think of an in-universe reason why. Mm-hmm. There are locks on the outside of coffins. I can think of that that kind of game authorial reason, and that's why. Yeah. So. Yep. Just to give you the sense of foreboding. I mean, and this is something that this is the first game I've had a PS4 for a little while, um, you know, at least since last mm -hmm. winter. And this is the first really good case for this extra um, horsepower. Right. We yeah. said it in the first impressions cast a little bit, but if you didn't listen to that, there is so much detail that they put into this, um, both in the encounter design um, and kind of in the, in the in the world, you know, the the, the visual detail, the sweetening, the set, you know, the set dressing um, mm -hmm. that uh, probably wouldn't have been as possible this time. So, you know, I'm going to be playing through, you know, making the notes for this show um, with with a much closer eye towards details like this, um, just because everything is there and it feels like it's there for a reason aside from just looking cool. Yeah. Contrast this with, even though I, I remember kind of liking it, I feel like such a fool contrast it with, uh, when you get into the cathedral and Lords of the fallen mm -hmm. and like everything, there's just a bunch of scattered garbage everywhere yeah. and it's not evocative and it's not neat. This is the way to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's very, very cool. <laughs> or contrast this with the astrolabes and sends. Yeah, or I guess that's true. Like, yeah. which are orgs, like, send. Uh, oh, no, the, the astrolabes yeah. are in Dukes. It's the statues that are in. Yeah, the statue, statue storage, send mm -hmm. statue storage warehouse. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, this is better than that. It's better than any Souls game has done that. Mm -hmm. um, so you run to your first enemy who's hanging out, kind of hiding, um, and you fight them, and they're essentially, I mean, they are hollows uh, mechanically, mm -hmm. but actually they're villagers. Yeah, they're frenzied uh, villagers uh, carrying torches in. Uh, um, something that tells you, yes, this is going to be Resident Evil 4 for a good long while. Yes. Yeah, the Resident <laughs> Evil 4 parallels uh, continue for quite a bit. Um, none of them are that hard. You don't encounter very many of them mm -hmm. in this initial uh, area that we're talking about. Um, but, you know, you can take them out. And the big thing you're doing here is pulling a lever to get up a ladder. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you do, you hear a wheezing moan, which is the first boss mm -hmm. um, of the game. It's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing. And uh, there's another lamp which uh, shortcuts will never be this close together again and uh, her lamps. Yep. And uh, you can use this to go back to Hunter's Dream, yep. which we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And then that'll be that for this episode. Right. Yep. So you go back to the Hunter's Dream and the biggest thing that has changed is the fact that, uh, well, you're hearing music this time, which you weren't before. Yeah. Um, and also the, the, the workshop itself is open and you meet uh, a, a very important NPC, uh, Gehrman, who uh, calls himself a friend of the Hunter's. Yes, and I'll, I'll go ahead and just cut in his uh, dialogue here because it's very good. You must be the new hunter. Welcome to the hunter's dream. This will be your home for now. 
I am... Gehrman. Friend to you, Hunters. You're sure to be in a fine haze about now, but don't think too hard about all of this. Just go out and kill a few beasts. It's for your own good. You know, it's just what Hunters do. You'll get used to it. This was once a safe haven for hunters. A workshop where hunters used blood to enhance their weapons and flesh. We don't have as many tools as we once did, but you're welcome to use whatever you find. Yeah, so other than that last creepy bit that he says, I really like German's dialogue. I, I, I love the way he delivers that, though. Like, that that caught me off guard, and as much as I find that objectionable, that feels like the point to me. And, yeah. and you know, for like for, for, for as gross and depraved as that is, um, yeah, it is, it, it is a wonderful detail that even puts me off of considering the hunter's dream to be a safe place. I like that part of it. Um, that kind of... The, there's no thing in this in the Souls games prior to this that dealt with that kind of uh, sexuality mm-hmm. in any way, and this kind of grew like it, it felt weird to me. Mm-hmm. Like people in Souls games don't nut. Like they don't. Like, <laughs> this, like, they, they don't. There's nobody needs to fuck a doll in these games. Like it mm-hmm. is too. You got other things on your mind, man. Yeah. You know, and 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 it, it felt more at home at home with a different type of game, which is again like to your point. Like if that's the point, that's great. Like I I get it. I you know yeah. I can see that, but it also just kind of rubbed me a weird way. Yeah. Um. The, so the fact that it did cross a line was satisfying enough to me, even though I do understand the the implications behind it and everything. Like the the you know, that 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 are gross, but I I see what you're saying. I I just I feel like it traded something expensive for something that uh had had like had a positive effect on the experience for me just by making yeah. me feel skeezed out as fuck yeah it's it's not worthless it's not arbitrary mm-hmm. it's just kind of like i didn't need to know that german fucked this doll <laughs> like i don't i don't know <laughs> okay that's really all there is to it i was like i didn't need to know this about these characters like <laughs> okay um but really what this is, um, this workshop, is your upgrade station, mm-hmm. um, other than just leveling up through the doll, um, who is not active yet, we should we should note. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That has not happened. So we can't use the doll if mm-hmm. it should please us. And won't be for, um, a, for a good long while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple different things here. There's the memory altar, um, the hunter's workshop, and your storage bin. Mm-hmm. The memory altar doesn't come alive until uh, later in the game when you find a key item. The hunter's workshop is where you can trade in like uh, frozen, solidified blood. And uh, the storage is pretty great because uh, at least for um, at least for uh, blood vials and bullets, anything that you collect uh, over and above what you can hold is automatically replenished. Um, and even yeah. for other consumables that you have, like a you know a soft max on for carrying around and using, um, everything overflows into this. So it's, yes. uh, it's it is it is a conscientious design that is made a little bit less conscientious because of, of the of the loading that you have to do to get here. But as long as you're in the neighborhood, you can pop by. Yeah, or if you you don't quite have enough uh, souls to level up, just buy some blood. You know, store your your larder, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
So we haven't really addressed kind of the the the, the substance of what Garman says though, because it's uh it's it's pretty much the only direction that you have so far, along with the note that you found back in the clinic saying seek pale blood to uh, to uh, transcend the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that th- that's there next to next to where you wake up, and uh, Garman basically just says, "Hey, don't think about this too much. You're probably overwhelmed by this, but all you need to do is kill because hunters hunt." That's the thing. I mean, we didn't go over it very much, but that is because it is partly because it is so purposely vague. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's got a real, you know, you'll stand in front of Drang Lake and not know why mm-hmm. sense to it. Like, just don't worry about it. Go do this thing that is a gameplay thing, um, which is very interesting. Like, this is this is a, like a year in the future when we talk about this stuff. But I think that we're going to have a lot to say just about how Bloodborne tells its story and how it is different. Mm-hmm. You know, giving you so little information up front helps square the circle with how straightforward I think the story actually is mm-hmm. um, once you kind of have the pieces, um, which is cool, but it is something we're not used to at all. And I will admit was really off-putting, like mm-hmm. being 10 hours into Bloodborne and not knowing why I was doing anything mm-hmm. was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and this was a, this is a big contributor to that. Yeah. And the game is aware of it. It makes it it's underlying the fact that it's not an accident. It is the character literally saying, just go do it. Yeah. Stop stop it, questioning it. It feels so confrontational too. confrontational way that the other kind of initial encounters with plot givers does not feel even with the crestfallen. Right. Who is mm-hmm. more just dismissive of your ability because he had walked in those. He had walked that path and failed, you know, pro, you know, before prior to that, just directly saying, hey, don't think too hard about this. Um felt like a challenge to me because I'm going to think hard about this. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of a little podcast called Bonfire Side <laughs> I'm, Chat? I'm, I'm not even making that appeal. Like, just, you know, like no, uh, no. T- tiger got to hunt, fish got to fly, Cole got to sit and wonder why, why, why. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, like but, it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with, you know, but obviously we are going to, yeah, to think about but, it. But, but even for a regular player, like it's condescending. It's saying, don't worry your pretty little head, just do this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's that's it for what mm-hmm. we're covering now. Yeah. There's a there's a message inside to escape this hunter's this dreadful hunter's dream, halt the 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 source of the uh, spreading scourge of beasts, lest this night carry on forever. Yes, which again is also a little bit of a direction thing, but that mm-hmm. in light of what we learned is mm-hmm. too a little too little. Yeah. Um so next time we're going to be talking about the first portion of Central Yarnum. Um, up through the the first boss it is geographically not a huge space mm-hmm. but contains multitudes <laughs> yep and uh we'll be joined by uh Vadivija, yes this is, is going a huge to, deal yeah. yeah big request um for the show very nice guy we're very happy to have him um something that you know we haven't talked about a lot but uh really informative of the show as well like mm-hmm. we both you know like you said we both are driven to kind of tear apart this stuff but um his you know early prepare to cry stuff really did unlock some ways of thinking mm-hmm. about these games yeah. uh, for me. And he still remains kind of the premier lore guy. Yeah. Um, and I'm really happy to have him on this first area where we can kind of talk a little bit about the generalities of what's happening to Yarnum. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to, you know, that's the lore stuff we're going to cover, Yeah, I think, primarily. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have responses about that first area up through the first boss of the game here, um, you mm-hmm. can send those in. You can go to duckfeed.tv contact. There's a button there that says bonfireside chat. 
and uh, you can write in there with your subject line and everything. Um, this is primarily for the benefit of new listeners. Um, we've already gotten the responses for this area. If you have any corrections for us, those go in there as well. Um, we will try our best to get into those. I also want to let people know um, brief answers have a better chance of getting in or brief responses. And, uh, you know, we will do some editing on those just, if uh, you know, to raise a salient point. So just anybody who is going to be writing in, keep those things in mind. Um, just so when you hear this and you say, wait, I, there was a whole thing that that's because of length and time and stuff. I'll, I'll refine that a little bit further and say, uh, more so or not maybe more so, but alongside with being brief, it's also important to, um, it's like, we know you like the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of stuff is not necessarily important. So concrete examples, mm-hmm. um, theories and questions are probably the best things. Um, just kind of effusive praise is more likely to get cut down or cut entirely. And that's not a function of us not appreciating your engagement. Yeah. Um, it's just a function of time. So, um, you know, sp- uh, specifically salient things that you have to say about the area in question or mm-hmm. the characters in question. Good. Um, man, I love this game, you know, good, mm-hmm. but not necessarily for yeah. this. Yeah. So, uh, you can, you can save everybody some time and, uh, put that in there. We do definitely appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and go go talk to us on Facebook about that. Yeah, because I'll I will we'll we'll talk on Facebook and gush about the game. Um, if you go to facebook.com forward slash bonfire said chat, we have a very active community. Um, tons of people uh, post there and post uh, you know videos of of their harrowing boss wins and <laughs> cool stuff they found on YouTube. And uh, we try to do the same thing. It's a really cool place, and uh, we recommend you hang out there. Yeah, it's a great place for uh, for Souls news and. Hopefully, um, and you know, the, the, this can always go away, but it is a very positive uh, environment, I think. And uh, yeah. it, is, it is a cool place to be. I think so as well. Um, since we are starting a new season um, on a new game, um, this is a really critical time for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know people who like Bloodborne, um, hook, them, hook them up. Yeah. Uh, let, let them know, you know, that we exist and we are doing what we do. Um, you know, that we really appreciate that. That's the only, that's the biggest thing for us. Um, you know, more than supporting us in other concrete ways, probably just as good or better is telling a friend mm-hmm. about it. Um, and every time we hear, you know, somebody writes a review or says something like, hey, I heard about you from this person, that always makes us feel good. And, and we really appreciate you guys doing that. Yeah. Uh, kind of alongside that, if you're looking to do uh, a, a little bit extra, uh, this is a big time for iTunes ratings and reviews as well. Uh, people yes. have kind of come out and put in some uh, ratings on the on the Bloodborne content we put out so far, and I've already heard from people who have kind of found us that way. We're up there in the rankings, but we want to stay that way. So if yeah. you are in the Apple ecosystem um, and uh, you don't mind leaving, leaving us a rating or review, that is really appreciated uh, to go there and kind of let people know, know what to expect from this. Um, I, <laughs> I feel I feel kind of weird asking this. If there's anything like super critical, like stuff that you would like us to change, um, that is probably better addressed in a conversation with us through the contact form. We won't engage you with that there. Um, but uh, rate us honestly and uh, if, put yeah, that stuff if, up there. But if you want to be engaged, yes. like we're not saying like only go do this if you like us. Like mm-hmm. be honest, you can you can engage with iTunes however you want. If you actually want to talk about it, we're open to talking about shit. I essentially like the the elephant in the room what we're talking about is people get mad because we'll bring up social justice stuff um which you know my feelings on that is that is kind of silly um but if a better way if you actually want to talk about it i will these are i we don't do anything like on accident i have well considered reasons for why i include something in the show versus why i don't Mm -hmm. um and i'd be happy to talk to anybody about that so it just feels kind of punitive to be like you guys are you know you guys are 
idiots. Um, that feels punitive and not useful construction or <laughs> useful criticism. Yeah. So if it's just not for you, that's fine. You know, you can write a negative review. That's quite all right. Um, but if you actually want to have a conversation, we're available to do it. And hopefully we built up enough trust to where you don't think that we're doing things because we don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. We may not agree with you, but we everything we include in the show is on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or at least as can say, it maybe isn't something we've agonized over, but it's something we're comfortable having on there. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. It, no, not it, to, not, I'm not trying to like talk yeah. over you or anything like that. But. No, no, that, that 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 that's perfectly fine. You, you you added into it. At the end of the day, we're two dudes with microphones, and we're going to talk about things. You know, it's it's going to seep into it. So if you you know if, if there are new listeners, you know who are who are kind of seeing that. Hopefully that provides a little bit of context, you know, and hopefully it doesn't get in the way of the primary points that we're trying to make about the game. Well, and also, I mean, more than that, like the primary, hopefully this episode, if you if you are new to the show, the the primary appeal of the show is not just literally like us reading wiki.bloodborne, <laughs> um, you know, so hopefully you want us to talk about Kenneth Branagh's dick. <laughs> and along with that, the kind of people who are going to talk about Kenneth Branagh's dick might also say something like, you know, false rape accusations are uh, statistically insignificant, so much so that you shouldn't even bring them up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that might happen. So if uh, Gary, that's you know, ridiculous. Kenneth Branagh doesn't have a dick. We established that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's missing it. Um, well, he has a spider for a dick. Yep. I think it's a, he's 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 got a vacuum. I'm kind of confused. The the um, so yeah that that's my that's my point is that uh you know you take you you don't have to agree with us on everything but we're gonna digress and that's what the show is if that's not for you a okay yep if it is for you if you know people it is for hook them up yeah um and if it is for you and you're interested in other stuff if you're only aware of this particular show we are part of a network uh duckfeed.tv uh the other kind of like big show that we do is watch out for fireballs it is a retro video games book club kind of show. Uh, mm-hmm. where we go through and play games and talk about them at length, probably in a less zoomed out view than we have here with this. Uh, but uh, that is one... More that zoomed out. Y- yes, yeah, more zoomed out. There we go. Wow, how could it be any more zoomed in? <laughs> yeah, less zoomed out? Yep. Like on this episode, we're going to talk 90 minutes about, uh, you know, about the spread gun. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, but 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 there are other shows there too, you know, about games and comedy and things like that, and all of those can be found at uh, duckfeed.tv. And finally, if you're feeling super generous, you can go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeed.tv and uh, kick us a couple bucks a month. Um, You get the shows a day early, you get some cool rewards, and also you get the good feeling that comes with supporting people who are doing things that you like. Mm -hmm. And uh, for everybody who's already doing that, um, my immense, immense, immense thank you. Uh, People have been coming out in force. We're very close to getting our next uh, milestone goal, um, which is important for this show specifically because this is the show that we most often have guests. And uh, that will enable us to buy some equipment that will make those guests sound better. Exactly. Um, so go there and check it out. Uh, we uh, are only able to do these shows because of your guys' support, both monetary and uh, word of mouth, uh, getting the stuff out there. And uh, we're super excited to be approaching uh, this new season of this show. It is tremendous fun to do. Um, uh, I've, I've seen some of the guests that we're going to have. This is a wonderful time for the network, for the show, uh, for me personally, and uh, for Gary and myself. So Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So um, until next time, Cole, what do we decide on having them do? <laughs> no, just remember, a hunter's never alone. Yep, hunter's never alone. Umbasa. Umbasa. Umbasa still works. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.